Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny welcomes coach, spiritual teacher, and writer, Monica Moody. And the two of them will be discussing her newest book, Be Yourself to Free Yourself, Awakening to Life You Were Meant to Live. So whether you're new to the concept of awakening or soundly on a conscious spiritual path, this episode will have insights just for you. And now we welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan, and we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with peace, joy, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you are always welcome to access those show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com. You can also find the show on iTunes and Podcast One. And a quick disclaimer for Petaluma, that the views expressed here are not necessarily the views of Petaluma Community Access, KPCA Radio, or its board of directors, volunteer staff, or underwriters. And my website is goldenoversoul.com. That is goldenoversoul.com. Vinny, uh, how is my sound? <laughs> you sound pretty good. I guess you're in a new spot, new location there in uh, the, what is it, Camp KOA or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. We're still, oh my gosh, Benny, we need another first Friday. So there have been so many updates even since last week and we are uh, for reasons, I guess we can talk more about next month when uh, sure. Dr. Alessandra sure. joins us again. But we're going to be at the Petaluma KOA for probably another few days to address our tow vehicle issues. So <laughs> anyway, I think, <sighs> well, so basically we're going to look forward to that then. There might be a separate uh, show around that because I think it should be. Oh, my goodness. You're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I know. And actually, it's so funny. I actually, as we were about to join today, mm -hmm. um, so as I mentioned last week on First Friday, uh, <laughs> one of the big adjustment pieces here are two cats in the Airstream. And right as we were about to go live, um, uh, Chase was leaving to give me, you know, the space to do the show. He's so sweet. And, you know, whenever I have a client or whatever, he goes and finds something to do for an hour. Um, <laughs> a boy. So I know. <laughs> what a I great know. guy. So <laughs> what a great he really guy. is. <laughs> so anyway, I opened the door to ask him something. And then when I closed the door again, I could not find Action Jackson. <gasps> and Chase had already driven away. Oh, no. And I mean, and mind you, we have two cats that if they get out the door, we will not see them again. Like, I don't mean to call that into being, but I'm just saying, given past experiences yeah, with them, yeah. you know, um, so anyway, I, it's three minutes until the show and I am <laughs> got the flashlight out because there aren't that many places for a cat to hide. Nope. So I checked the usual suspects, uh -huh. couldn't find him and was in full on panic mode with like one minute to go already knowing, you know, we've got Zoom issues with the internet, right, making right, sure right. that this, oh my God, Benny, who, I think what we're going to do before I bring Monica on, or maybe once I bring Monica on is do just a quick, like deep breath, grounding little quick meditation with some heart coherence. Okay. Cause man, I have not landed yet this morning. Oh, for the show. Okay. <laughs> but we're good but, though. Right. Oh, yes. Moral of the story is I found him okay. hidden in a back cubby that I don't even know how he got into. Okay. Right. But apparently when I opened the door, a neighbor campsite, they'd started their big like room, 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 room truck. And I guess that sent him into hiding. <laughs> so. Action Jackson took off. Oh, he took off with the limited space he has. And he found a really good hidey hole. He's, he's oh, back out okay. now, but. Good. Oh, Benny, I was <laughs> good. I, I, I was there, panic still for a minute. You didn't finish the story. I'm Sorry, like, come on, don't, because like, guess... I don't know if we should go on with the interview. If you need to still like look around for it, I mean, I know it's important, very important. Oh God, yeah, yeah we would have done, we would have done a, a pre-record or something. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. anyway. Okay. Yeah, big deep, deep breath, breath, everyone. Right, there we go. <laughs> well, Benny, how are you doing? Real quick before we before I introduce our our awesome guest for today. Hey, doing awesome. No lost cats here to report. <laughs> uh, no nothing hiding other than uh, other than it's a great week. We had a, a great Easter Sunday last weekend. Um, oh yeah, all the families kind of got together. Most of our families around here have gotten the second dosage, so that's good on the vaccine. And uh, yeah, the yeah. grandparents are obviously super happy. You know, we're still yeah. limiting our, you know, space, our, our uh, I guess, 
people in our groups. We're still limiting that, and and some of us are still masking up uh, as appropriately. So uh, it was good times. So a lot of emotions are coming back out, and it's springtime. The weather is warming up, and uh, got to love it. Yay. Well, I'm happy to hear yeah. that, Benny. And Thanks. I just want to thank you for being oh, so shit. flexible and, and yeah. help being such a good engineer at helping oh. us figure out the technology as we navigate being on the road. Oh, well, thank you. And it's my honor and pleasure. Well, thanks, Penny. Okay, so um, our guest for today, and I will, I will go ahead and introduce her, welcome her, and then, and then if she's okay with it, we'll do just a real quick little breathing exercise. Um, so our guest today is Monica Moody, and I have known Monica for many years now. She is a spiritual teacher, a certified life purpose and career coach, a writer, a trainer, facilitator, with fifteen plus years of experience in personal development and coaching. She helps individuals create lives that are aligned with their highest values and works with organizations to help them tap into the inner brilliance of their teams. She's the founder of Owning Change and helps individuals to own and shift their life experiences through programs that emphasize self-liberation and personal mastery by reclaiming our humanity and intentionally cultivating qualities such as self-awareness, authenticity, vulnerability, empathy, and grace. We can reclaim our personal power and create a brave new world. And for all of her, she has accolades a mile long, but she has successfully worked with organizations such as Cox Automotive, Atlanta Public Schools, Duke University, the Georgia Association for Chiefs of Police, Interfaith Council for Social Service, Spelman College, Mercy Housing, and the Friends Committee on National Legislation. And her work as an entrepreneur has led to features in a number of media outlets, including magazines such as Ebony and Southern Living, the PBS show Real Moms, brand new book <laughs> to be released in just a couple weeks, is Be Yourself to Free Yourself, Awakening to the Life You Are Meant to Live. Uh, Monica, welcome to Sunny in Seattle. Hey, Sunny, thank you. Thank you so much for having As me. Yeah, absolutely. When I saw that you had a book coming out, I immediately reached out and said, oh my gosh, I would love to have you come on the show to talk about it. Can't wait to read it. And it, it did not disappoint. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. So this is my first official interview about the book and that is with you is pure perfection. Oh, that I'm so honored. And this makes me so happy. Oh, well, so I hope you don't mind. Do you mind if I do just a quick little grounding exercise here just so that I am fully present because of all of what happened right before we went on air? <laughs> First of all, I love the story and I would not have it any other way. Please. Okay. I figured of all people I know, you would be in support of these things. Yes, let's do it. Okay, so if you're driving out there, uh, I encourage you to keep your eyes open for this one or pull to the side of the road, but I am going to close my eyes. Um, it's one of the ways that I signal to my body that it's okay to go inward and, and reflect and be more contemplative. And so I invite you to just notice your breathing. Uh, mine was pretty shallow and rapid here. I was in full fight or flight. <laughs> so, And I know even in our day-to-day -day lives, fight or flight is something that we it can be very subtle, but we're in it a lot of the time, triggered by a lot of things. So even if you didn't just almost lose your cat at a KOA, probably you would benefit from some conscious breathing as well. So I invite you to notice your breath. If it is shallow and constricted, allow the belly to grow soft and the breath to really go down deep into the lungs, to the very bottom of the lungs, filling them with nourishing oxygen. And really exhale fully so that when you inhale again, you've got a nice clean slate. And from here, I invite you to just do some deep, even breathing, whatever feels comfortable for you. My normal frame of reference is about four to five seconds in, four to five seconds out. This is another one of those signals we give to the body that we're safe and that it's okay to bring on that nice rest and digest nervous system. And I invite you to just notice your body, feel the weight of it on the surface you're on. Envision the connection of your feet through that surface down into the earth, or maybe you're lucky enough to actually be sitting on the earth right now and really feel that connection of skin to soil that is so nourishing and balancing for us. Wiggle your fingers and toes. Remember those extremities that we get are there 
And this also is an invitation to really fully inhabit the, the fullness of your being. Take your energy to the edges of your body, even the edges of your energy field. Really feel the fullness of you. And finally, I invite you to bring your awareness to your heart. And when I say bring your awareness there, I just mean turn your attention to where your heart is in your body. A great way to really anchor that connection is to touch your heart space with a fingertip or your palm or even a prayer mudra, whatever feels appropriate for you. You can even envision breathing in and out through the heart. You're so often in our heads, but our heart is that place of deep wisdom and connection to something greater, whatever you believe that greater is. And as you're breathing in and out through the heart, one final little step here, this is based on a heart coherence um, exercise from heart math. I invite you to recall someone or something. So a person, an animal, a spot in nature that you feel care, compassion, gratitude, or appreciation for. And just for the next few moments, I won't have some dead air time here, but I'll just encourage you to as you're breathing in and out through the heart and keeping your awareness there, remember that person, that animal, that spot in nature. And what we're doing here is just giving a nice coherent frequency of communication between your head and your heart. And there's a bunch of science behind the good things this does for your body, but I won't go into it here, but just know that it has far reaching effects on your psyche, your actual physical body, your heart, your electromagnetic field generated by the heart. And that really ripples out into the world around you. Okay. I'm feeling better. I hope everyone else out there is too. Thank you, Monica, for allowing some time during your interview <laughs> for me to land fully. Here we are. Welcome to sunny in Seattle. That was perfect. Thank you for taking us there. Always feels good. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Okay. So, Monica and I met, I just want to give a little bit of background. Um, we were taking um, a business building course and I've, I've shared many times on Sunny in Seattle that when I left the practice of law, took some years off, really was drawn to Martha Beck's work. Um, and through that went through her coach training program and all that good stuff, but then had to start a business of some sort of coaching practice. And I didn't know what I was doing because I'd just been an associate at a law firm for all of those many years. And so I didn't know about how to basically start a business, market myself, do all the things that um, basically the law firm did for me before. All I had to do was, was show up at bill hours. So anyway, I, I took a course on how to do that. And I met Monica there. And immediately, you know, when you go to these big gatherings, I don't know about you all, but I'm immediately usually drawn to one or two particular people. And Monica was one of those people. And I was lucky enough to be paired up with her on a partner activity where we were doing some um, writing and journaling and feedback and all of that. And Monica just, she had this way, she, she, you can, the book emanates it, but she as a being emanates it, which is why the book does, of course. But she just has this, peace and this calm and this love and anyway that was it it was like a done deal at that point monica and i have stayed in touch since and i am so happy you are here to talk about this book monica that you have now mm -hmm. about to release out into the world yeah thank you so much yeah I, and i just resonate with all that you just shared about our initial encounter because um yeah so true and i'm so <laughs> glad that we've been able to you know, to stay connected over the years. Yeah. You are a blessing to me. So thank you. Well, the feelings mutual. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I've always wanted to ask you as we go into this interview, as I, mem as I mentioned in the, your bio, your website is owningchange.com or your, so your business name is owning change. Um, where did that come from? And what, what, how, what does that phrase mean to you? So, you know, it's funny when I first started the business, the, um, well, actually, when we were in that um, program that you just mentioned, the name that I was using, I, it was all about workplace transformation at that time mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. And the name I was using was Love Works at Work. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, um, a lot of the coaches and people who I was sort of consulting with, they told me that that name would just never fly. 
<laughs> especially as I was trying to get contracts with, you know, um, with organizations and companies that are like, ah, nah, it's just too touchy-feely. You need to move in a different <laughs> direction. So, yeah, so that's a whole story in and of itself. But I was attempting to shift to another name that, you know, felt equally resonant, but that would not scare people off. And so owning change just surfaced in this real organic way. And what's interesting is most people, when they hear the name, they assume that it's talking about managing change in our lives. And, you know, that's a part of it. But the bigger story is about understanding that any change that we want to see on the outside has to be initiated within. We have to own it. We have to become it. And as we become it, then it's reflected out into our external world. So the name fills me um, for sure. And, you know, I hope that upon like hearing this deeper explanation, so to speak, that it that it fills others as well. Yes. Okay. That completely makes sense to me. And I suspect it as much. And so talking about owning change, um, I think in reading this book, I learned about a moment in your life that I was not aware of because I think I met you when you were already really on your path of awakening and your spiritual journey uh, fully. And so there was a time in your life before that, that was really um, a big changes happened. And I, I would love it if you could share a little bit more about that awakening moment, um, that pivotal time in your life where, as you write it, as you wrote in the book, that, that grace was allowed to enter. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I see this sort of as like the jumping off point, but we know, you know, obviously that there are all these moments that lead to that, you know, initial point of awakening, but this is what stands out for me um, in the most profound way. Uh, And I think it was maybe 2005, 2006. And I just had this moment where I was coming home um, from somewhere and my husband was out in the yard and, he mentioned when I uh, came home that he had rented some movie stores to watch and just with this nastiness. And it was like, it shocked me because I didn't really understand fully where it came from. I was Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't matter what you got for us to watch because you never get anything I want to see anyway. And he just Mm -hmm. looked at me and it was something about how he looked at me that it just literally just kind of pierced my soul in that moment. And I knew like, I didn't understand why I responded that way, but I knew that I wanted to change. And, you know, we, we've talked before about how, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And so literally just what feels like a few weeks later, um, I had this experience where I, um, I took a tumble down the stairs in my home, and it was significant. Um, I was already doing some work that was really um labor intensive and so I was having some back trouble anyway and so this fall just tilted me over beyond like all of the pain thresholds and um I landed in bed for about three months um ultimately waiting for back surgery and so the pain I was in this intense physical pain um I was in intense emotional pain and you know, as is often the case, you know, we create drama and situations that reflect the pain that we're we're in. And so um, I remember at one point getting into it with my husband and it was like, you know what, this on top of everything else, I just cannot deal with. And I recall grabbing some of the heavy meds that had um, been prescribed for me. And I'm, and we're talking about my back was in such um, a state that I could barely walk, but somehow I grabbed that medicine and I made my way to the car and my plan. Now keep in mind, I'm married and I have two small children, two daughters. Um, But I was in so much pain. I, my plan was to go to the hotel with the contemplation of possibly just ending it. Mm. Um, And Thankfully, you know, my husband, and I don't, even to this day, we've discussed it recently. I don't think that he fully understood what was happening and what my plan was, but he prevented me from leaving. And um, it was, it seemed like it was that moment when things just sort of started shifting. And um, 
and I, I guess we could probably say it was a, just like a ground zero kind of moment. And um, from that point, certain resources and information just started to flood my very being. And um, I call that, you know, that my initial mo- moment of awakening because the resources that came in just sent me in a totally different direction and opened my eyes in so many ways about the life I was living and the power I had to create change. Mm. Yeah. And it, it, I like that you had that ground zero moment, but one of the other things that I think we'll get to explore in this book is that just because you had that one ground zero moment and things did begin to change, it wasn't all easy from then on as you begin this journey. Uh, and I, I have so many questions about that because I learned so many things about you in reading the book that I um, had no idea about. You really put yourself out there in a really vulnerable, brave way. Um, but tell me, tell me what led to what led to this book that we're now here discussing, Be Yourself to Free Yourself. So when I was from from that point that I just described, um, it felt like I was on this intentional path. And what happened was, as resources came in, and I would you know take stuff in and and, and adjust in different ways, I was documenting the process that I was going through, because somewhere within me, it was almost like there was a part of me that knew that it wasn't just for me. And so I kept journals and. Um, just wrote intensely about the details of the transformation that was taking place within me. And so at a certain point, it was like, I had this moment where I looked back, I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, this is a whole process. There were like, there were um, like each part of the journey was sort of um, like there were these intentional processes that were a part of it. And so I realized that this model for transformation had been gifted to me. And so in my own life, I find myself like continuously sort of cycling through the phases of the model. And at one point I started sharing the model with my clients as well. And, um, and it was at that point that I realized, wow, this is really, really powerful because not only was I getting amazing results and using the model, but I, my clients were as well. Since then, as a trainer, I've been able to create a class around the model, and I also teach it to employees and, you know, in, certain, um, in a certain format um, because the good thing is it's transferable, you know, and I can, and I can fine-tune it based on the audience and the needs of the audience. Um, so once this um, this unfolded, and again, I'm seeing like I'm seeing folks get some really significant results. I knew that I had to put it in like words. I had to put the process down. And so when I sat, because this book has been calling me for a long while, but when I sat to write, the thought that came to mind for me was like, I want this to be a manual for how to live like your best life. And I thought about my girls. My daughters are 17 and 25 now. And um, I said, well, like, what, what's the, what's the book that I would want to give them mm. so that they have questions about any aspect of life and how to get through it or how to make things better for themselves. They can turn to this as their manual. And so I wrote the book with my daughters in mind, like leave no stone unturned. Yeah. And I have to say that one of the things that I really want to just bring a little bit of attention to, I I don't want to say this is not a side note because this is woven throughout the book, but how you have handled parenting and your values and beliefs around your role in, 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 um, relation to your daughters. I just, I have to share this little visualization that you have in the book, if you don't mind. And then you, maybe you can speak to this a little bit because I know we've got parents. (laughs) Yeah. So this is, (laughs) Monica's surrender visualization as it comes to her daughters. Now, mind you, her daughters are like Ivy League grads and they're, they're just incredible human. Not that not that Ivy League means everyone needs to go to Ivy League. I'm just saying you have exceptional daughters, just everything that I know about them. So <laughs> I'm not saying parenting is easy for you, but <laughs> you have really good kids. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so her surrender vision like this. I imagine the divine as a bright force sitting in the middle of a prism of light 
I take my daughters by the hand, walk into the prism, put their hands in the hand of the divine, and I walk away. Monica, how many parents are able to do that? <laughs> yeah, I, and Sunny, I can't tell you how many times. And that, <laughs> that visualization was gifted to me by my oldest sister. And this was this has been a few years ago. And I tell you, I have used it with so much success because our children, like we want to make everything better for them, but we can't. And so getting to that place of surrender is hard. And so I find this visualization so, so powerful. And, and I find that it moves things energetically because it gets me out of the way so they can get the breakthrough that they need. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I just love it. Yeah, and you do speak to, I will say, one of the, so the book is, is structured in four parts, awaken, align, flow, love. And love is given some extra attention, and you actually have specific sections on love and action, like love at work and love and parenting. And so if, there, if you are a parent out there and you want to hear more about Monica's, this is how she, how this visualization works, how her attitude around parenting works. Um, she definitely goes into more detail in the book, but I just, I had to pause there and share that because I just thought, oh my goodness, if I had kids, <laughs> this is what I would need. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the book is also um, one of the primary themes that I see in the book is that, that it's really about letting your soul take the lead. Um, can you speak to that a little bit? Um, how, how letting your soul take the lead looks in actual practice and, and how that worked in your life? Hmm. Yeah, that feels like a huge question. And it's yeah. a perfect question. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, wait a minute. How do I <laughs> articulate that in like a minute or less? <laughs> oh, oh, no. You know what, Monica, on that note, we're actually, I see that we're at what would normally be our break time, but I'm just going to, if it's okay with everybody, like we've been doing recently, let's just keep going through the break. So answer this question for the entire rest of the show, if you wish to, you have all the time in the world. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that works. <laughs> yeah, what does it look like to allow your soul to take the lead? Like, you know, the, the the premise of the book is this understanding that we have, there are two parts to who we are. There's a personality and there's a soul. And our personalities are, it's the part of us that is conditioned by the world around us. It's conditioned by past experiences. It's conditioned by our culture and ways that people and other things and have and forces out in the world have told us that we should be. And so most of us, as we go through life, like we live from the place of the personality and it gets us in so much trouble because the personality is the equivalent of the egoic self. And so it just sees life um, or it, it approaches life in a way where it wants to control it. You know, I say that the ego is that part of us that wants to, um, that wants to control, wants to judge, uh, wants to have things a certain way. And that's just not how life works. And so when we try to force things in a particular way, we run into struggle and we run into pain. By contrast, um, the soul self or what I call the true you is that version of who we are that is literally aligned with the mind of God. It's our highest self. It's the part of us that, um, that sees the full terrain, sees the full picture. So it knows what direction is right for us at any given moment. And so our goal as we navigate life is to try to align with that true self, the true you, the highest self. Um, and when we do is literally the place where miracles take flight. Um, because in that soul led way that we learn to, you know, in that way of navigating life, we are guided like at every single turn. Um, because in our, when we're using our, our minds, um, in, in a way that's aligned with the personality or the ego, we want to approach things from in a rational way or in, you know, in, in, you know, sort of like the textbook kind of way. But the textbooks don't know what's right for our own soul-led paths, but our souls do. And so when we can get ourselves out of the way and we can learn, learn to align with that version of ourselves, we can hear 
the guidance more clearly and we can, if we choose to surrender, follow that guidance. Um, to, and, and ultimately, it's, it's the thing that leads us to our desires. Um, it leads us to the life that we want to live. Um, yeah. And so it's really like this divine dance. It's this faith walk. But as I have stepped deeper and deeper into this way of living, it's like, oh, man, I can't imagine having it any other way because it just feels so right. That is so beautifully put. And, and I, what I'd like to do now, if you're comfortable with it, is talk about some of these, <clears throat> excuse me, specific examples from your life. Because when you say faith walk, you did a big faith walk. And the examples that you provided um, are <laughs> such good evidence and inspiration, I think, for others out there who are thinking of doing this. I am specifically referring to the time in your life um, you had that that spa business um, that then you began transitioning into wanting to share more of all of the things that you were learning on your spiritual journey. And so when you had left, well, actually, there are a couple of different places. Why don't we start? You had this director of career services opportunity. That was not what you anticipated, Mm -hmm. but it was one of those breadcrumbs that led you ultimately to the next stage where you needed to be. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened there? Yeah. So, you know, when, because I've had these entrepreneurial stints for, you know, seems like decades now. And so with that first business that I was running, um, there, it came, it came to a point where I, I had to shut it down for a number of reasons. And so the question at that point was, okay, well, what next? My, my husband, you know, he was basically managing our household financially and he needed some support. So I had to return to, you know, a nine to five of some sort to get the stability that we needed. And so I had interviewed for um, a position as director of residence life because I was a higher ed administrator and residence life was where I had done most of my work. I knew it well. And um, the VP who is now a dear friend, she called me after the interview and she said that she had decided to, decided to hire someone else for the position I applied for, but she offered me the role of director of career services instead. And it was just one of those things like, huh? Like, what, what are you talking about? Why, why would I take that? That's not my background. But she saw some things in me in terms of how I presented, how I shared my passion for working with students and um initially i told her no it's like nope that's a dumb idea uh, <laughs> i'm not gonna <laughs> do that this is what i'm thinking to myself and so about a week later i'm sitting and talking with my husband and i was like you think i made the right choice and turning it down and my husband is just very direct and he's like no <laughs> okay <laughs> so <laughs> so i ran upstairs and got on my computer and i emailed the the VP, um, her name is Patty. She's a phenomenal person. And it's like, you know, Hey, on second thought, maybe I am interested. And, and, and these are the little, those breadcrumbs that you speak of. These are the moments that let you know, I, I call it like winks from God, or like when you see God's signature, like so clearly written on the wall. But she yeah. said that she was in that very moment, um, contemplating what her next move was going to be. And my email arrived at the perfect time. And we actually, we actually went on to like, you know, that was like a theme throughout our relationship. I'll just say that, that Mm -hmm. different things happened between us and it was like always the right time. So I took the position and that was basically what set me up to move in the direction of becoming a life purpose and career coach. Um, so yeah, just a just a perfect, you know, push by my soul. Yes. And you showed up for it. I mean, although it did take, you know, your husband kind of chiming right. in and you calling her <laughs> or emailing her back. But then okay, so then fast forward and I would love to hear you talk a little bit about what you call the desert years. And I'm asking because I know there are people out there who um when you start being guided by your soul, sometimes it, uh, in my experience anyway, and it sounds like in yours too, not everything works out perfectly easily all the time. 
But oh even gosh. during your desert years, there were some gifts. So I, I would just love to hear, uh, you know, what you would like to share about those desert years and what you learned. And would you even, that, that was another question I had. Would you do anything differently looking back on it now? Hmm. Yeah, I love that question. So the desert years, <laughs> this is, um, I stayed in that role um, as the director of career services for about three years. And so, you know, keep in mind during this time, I am steadily like growing and learning all of the, the spiritual tools and just all of this information is just kind of just settling into my being. And so I was real eager to, I loved the work that I was doing at the college, but I was eager, eager to take what I was learning and just kind of start my own thing so that I could be immersed in these teachings and everything fully, full time. So around the same time, you know, one of the amazing things about, my story, and I think this happens, you know, in a lot of instances, but my husband was on a similar path. It was like we were awakening um, in certain ways at the same time. His path was unique from mine, but we were in a, headed in a similar direction. So he's an educator, and um, so a lot of the spiritual concepts that we were learning, he wanted to take and apply to the world of education. And I mentioned before, my thing was all about workplace transformation. So one day my husband came to me and um, he's like, you know what? Um, I'm going to take the leap. He had written a book called Igniting Purpose. And um, he wanted to use that as a platform to start speaking and really encouraging the next generation of teachers to take a spiritual approach to educating our kids. It It was beautiful. His book is gorgeous. And I was like, yes. And then at the same time, I'm getting this itch too. And so I said to him, you know, I think I'm going to take the leap too. And so long story short, we both quit our jobs at the same time. Insane. (laughs) Insane. And everybody around us thought that we were insane. But this is the thing, Sonny, like we didn't do this in a vacuum. We didn't do it. Um, for any other reason other than the fact that we both felt guided in this way. And so, you know, what happened was we both fell flat on our faces and, oh my gosh, so there's this period of a few years where it's like, okay, well, that didn't work. And, oh boy, is this painful, um, the thing that we're going through now because that didn't work. And so we struggled. We struggled financially. We struggled uh, emotionally, spiritually, because we were so confused. Like, but I thought God was telling me to do this. And mm-hmm. so in hindsight, you know, as, as I went through that whole period, I could look back and see, hey, you know, it wasn't that we were not being guided in that this way. But there was so much for us to get on that journey of, quote, unquote, failure that we would not have received if we had suddenly just become that successful couple with the rise to fame and whatever we were looking for. Um, so the journey was perfect because, you know, we, we become attached to, to expectations of a particular outcome and our souls, again, our souls are aligned with the mind of God. So we are the personality aspect of who we are. Our egos think that, you know, things should unfold in one way, but our souls know the best way, the highest way, and it knows what we need to get on the journey. And so, you know, you ask, would I change anything? Oh, my gosh. As painful as it was, I, I absolutely have to say I would not. Uh, I think the only thing I would change is maybe just getting out of my way and struggling less, um, just trusting the process. Because there were so many gifts that came from those desert years. And I would love it if you would share. I was just blown away. The story about the roof or the IRA that came out of nowhere. Um, Yeah. Would you mind sharing like a couple of those gifts that came through? Yeah. So, you know, I think there was the, the, the spiritual gifts were, you know, all of those things that we all those things that we were learning about how the universe works. Like I think we were holding them at the level of head knowing, but that those desert years caused us to embrace them in a deeper way. Like we had to learn to embody those truths, not just have them, you know, sort of hanging out in our head space. 
so that was the biggest gift. Um, mm-hmm. And in terms of, you know, there were so many um, grace-filled moments that sparked off from this as well. And the two that you mentioned, um, you know, there were points. Like we we had this, you know, and we're still in this house, beautiful home, and we weren't sure if we were going to lose our home. At one point, I remember like, okay, well, saying, I, I guess I might as well start packing up because we're about to lose this baby. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. <laughs> Literally, this was my thought. And it was like, okay, which room do I start with? Um, and, oh. you know, and so even with that, we were, we were able to, and I don't mind telling the details of my story because I think in our sharing and our being vulnerable, like, oh, my gosh, that's where the breakthroughs are. And so there was a point where, you know, my husband, you know, we, we applied for a loan remodification and the first and, and, and anyone who's gone through this process will know that they want nothing less than two legs, an ounce of blood and a piece of your heart. And <laughs> and so we went through this laborious process only to be denied. And then for whatever reason, the um, person we were working with He's like, well, yeah, you know, it's tough, but something happened. I can't even remember the details at this point, but he encouraged us to go through the process a second time. And so we, okay, well, we have nothing to lose except for our time and energy. And so my husband went through the process again, and miraculously, this agent called us back, and he said, you know what, I've never seen this happen before, but you guys were approved at blah, 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 blah. And the details were so perfect again he had never seen anything like that even happen but it mm-hmm. it made it possible for us to keep our home and um you know so that was one thing that happened the the roof story um we have one of the more beautiful parts of our um exterior is that we have a, a cedar roof and with that beauty comes a big price tag for getting it replaced <laughs> <laughs> and so we were we were told when we moved into the home, yeah, you're gonna have to replace this every ever however many years. Well, we were at that point, but we were just in survival mode. So replacing the roof was just like, okay, yeah, right. Well, <laughs> one day the perfect hailstorm came through and did just enough damage to the roof where you know we had to get it replaced. So the insurance company had to fit the bill for it, and. Um, not only that, you know, there were some leaks in the house, and so it damaged one of the rooms, and so we had to get the room painted. But because we have an open floor plan and there was no um, clear ending and beginning to our rooms on the first floor, they had to paint the entire first floor. So we got about $40,000 worth of work done on our home, and it was like, wow. So, mm. so many situations like that just unfolded, and I realized that we are truly divinely cared for. We had vacations that were gifted to us. Like my kids, they tease us about the desert years, but they didn't miss a beat, you know, because (laughs) life was just as beautiful. (laughs) Yes. And those stories, the, the thing that I take away from that is I just, I can't get enough of stories like that because it just shows that even though our human minds may be freaking out, Um, As you write in the book, you say that the emotional suffering that we experienced was largely self-imposed for somehow so much goodness still found its way to our door, despite where we stood financially. And I think for people out there to hear that and to see the evidence in your life is so inspiring, Um, which then leads to, you know, where you are today with this, this wonderful book about to come out. It's be yourself to free yourself. That's what we're talking about here today. Um, but one of the things that that comes up in the book now where you sit, knowing what it feels like to be led, knowing that you can trust, that trust muscle is really um, strengthened, is around how you show up um, for your goals and your desires these days. This is one of the big questions I have, and I thought you really addressed it beautifully in the book, is around, you know, if we really are letting our soul take the lead, what is the proper balance of action and goal setting? versus surrender and allowing. And um, I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. 
Yeah, you know, that was one of the things that I really struggled with when I was first starting to awaken. It's like, okay, well, what do we do if we're just surrendering to our soul and letting our soul take the lead? Do we just like sit on the couch and just, you know, wait for guidance, wait for something to drop down as evidence of take this path? And so um, it's really in my um, listening to one of my mentors. Um, her name is Reverend Deborah L. Johnson out of California. And um, she was instrumental in helping me to really grasp what the whole spiritual goal setting looks like. And I actually had an opportunity to interview her for a telesummit that I was hosting back in 2011. And so I, I put the same question to her. And what she um, left me with was a quote that has just really grounded me. Um, and she said to me, you set the goal, but just for the purpose of getting you in action. Mm. And what I understand now is that, like, uh, in the book, I talk about our inner purpose and our outer purpose. Our inner purpose is to align with our highest self with the true you and to live from that place um, in, a, in a state of joy. And then our outer purpose is to share our gifts and our talents and our very beingness from that place. And so we miss the point. I believe oftentimes we focus on that outer purpose, like, okay, but I'm supposed to be doing this, this and that. And why isn't this working? And oh my gosh, whatever. But the real gold is in the fact that that inner purpose is the thing that needs to be nourished and so and and the outer purpose then flows from that in a in a more organic and graceful way and so really our work in the world the activities the things that we get involved in the relationships all that stuff are just it's just reasons to um get out there explore the world and so we can set goals like, okay, I want to be the CEO of X, Y, and Z. Mm, that's perfectly beautiful, but we don't get attached to becoming that CEO. We understand that our journey from here to towards that goal, that's where the gold is. That's where sweetness is. And so we just wear it loosely. We, um, we detach from a particular outcome and understand that the journey is all about our becoming. And when we learn to embrace that, it's like wherever you are, it's beautiful because you understand that it's just a part of the journey. So set the goal, but just for the purpose of getting you in action. I really love that description. I love just how you address that in the book. So thank you for speaking to that a little bit. Um, and I, I want to switch. I know I'm looking at our time and there was one, uh, there were several other things that I really wanted to, to ask you about. And one of the things um, that I know that you are very passionate about is social justice and activism. Um, there is a particular chapter under the section on, or the part of love, um, where you address that. And I, I think you have a really unique take on this, um, and you also speak from a unique position on it. Um, and one of the things I, this is you write that we don't need to fight anything. We simply stand for that which we know to be true. Um, and you also shared that quote from Mother Teresa around, you know, I, I will not be a part of your anti-war rally. I will be a part of your uh, rally for peace. Uh, and so I'm just curious, you know, Monica, what would you love to share given this really um, this this pivotal moment in our in our country's history around social justice? Um, what what would you like our audience to hear from your wisdom on that? Well, first of all, I want to thank you for asking the question, because I think when, when I was writing that particular chapter was the one that I I felt like I had to walk through it um, with a whole lot of tenderness. And yeah. there were things that I wanted to say um, and things that I wanted to just share from the heart, but I didn't want them to be misunderstood and misperceived. And then at a point you just sort of surrender. Right. And you're like, okay, mm -hmm. well, this is, this is my heart. Take a piece of it. And I think mm -hmm. the underlying message behind that chapter is just understanding that because it's, it's based on the premise that all the things that I talk about prior to that section section, because this, this chapter is towards the end of the book in the section on love, like what does love look like in action? So it's based on this understanding that if we believe that we create with our thoughts, 
if we believe that we live in a vibrational universe where everything is energy and we call certain experiences to ourselves based on who we are choosing to be, then nothing gets excluded from that. And so when we look at the um, social issues that we're facing in our world today, if we're going to hold true to those, you know, those principles that I just described, then we have to apply them there as well. Mm-hmm. So what I believe is that what we focus on expands. It's cliche. We've heard it a thousand times, but it's powerful and true. And so it's like we have to start, we have to figure out a way to hold the broken spaces in our world in a way where we're not fixated on the problem. It's like we we know the problem. We know the pain points. We don't have to keep looking at the historical whatever that comes with all of the pain points like we've done that at nauseam and we keep getting the same results how what what can we do differently to yield a different result and i think it's necessary to not focus on the pain but to focus on the possibility we need to Mm. shift our direct our attention to the direction of the beautiful world that we want to create what does that look like what does it feel like how do we contour it with our being with and, and allowing our actions to be sourced from that place of being versus continually fighting against pointing to examining looking at the pain And um, so, and that's one of the sections of the book that I'm really interested in, you know, just sort of dialoguing with others around, because I certainly don't step forward as if, you know, hey, I got all the answers. It's not not like that, but it's like, how can we apply some of these spiritual tools and principles to this area of our lives that's causing so much pain for so many of us so that we can possibly start getting a different result? And that's why I wanted to make sure we included a little time for that because of all of the chapters in the book, I mean, your peace, your love, everything comes so through and all of it, but you could just feel there was a passion and your heart was really behind that particular chapter. So I'm so glad that you addressed it in the book and I really appreciate your perspective on that. And it, it has definitely helped me. So thank you, Monica. Thank you. Thank you, Sunny. Yes, and we are right about at the end of the hour. Um, I have been joined today by a dear friend, a colleague. She's a spiritual teacher, a writer, a coach. She does all the things. And her new book that will just be coming out is Be Yourself to Free Yourself. The website to find out more is owningchange.com, owningchange.com. And Monica, when will the book be out? April 27th. Yay! Woo! Okay. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> I'm excited for you. And I know having read it, other people will be very excited too. So thank you so much for joining me, Monica. And um, I wish you all the best with this book and putting it out into the world. Thank you, Sunny. This has been a true delight for me. So I appreciate you inviting me into your space. And thank you, Benny. <laughs> You're quite <Yes>. welcome. <laughs> Yes. Thanks, Benny in Seattle. Thank you, Jeff in Petaluma. And uh, for everyone out there listening, this has been Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy, signing off. Take care, everyone. 